Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with a cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my son, Carlos. Carlos, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, and you can call me Mystic Max. I predict these things. <laughs> so, guys, we have literally just watched uh, UFC 257, McGregor versus Poirier. Uh, and, yeah, no, it went wrong with our stream. No uh, <laughs> no ESPN or BT Sports issues for us. We wink, wink. for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely going to be coming at us. How the fuck have these guys got a podcast now on, <laughs> on this already when I cut the stream on purpose? Uh, but yeah, what a fucking card. Uh, for people who haven't watched it, you, yeah, just get your $70 back and find a, a legal stream next time. Um, but let's quickly run through these uh, these prelims and early prelims. So we started the card with Amir Albaz again, the decision against uh, Zalgas Zumagalov in the flower division, then... We got uh, Mosvar Evalev picking up the decision against Nick Lentz. Going into the the prelims, we then got Khalil Roundtree uh, losing by decision to Marcin Parachnio. And then uh, Juliana Pena picking up the third round submission against Sarah McMahon. Uh, Brad Tavares got the decision against Antonio Carlos Jr. in the middleweights and then the featured prelim and the, the thrown together fight after the ridiculousness that happened with uh, um, uh, Otman uh, Al-Zatir. P.S. You're a bellend. Yeah, so Armin Sarukian uh, picking up the decision victory against Matt Frivola. So then we go into uh, the main card. Five fights on this main card started in the women's strawweight division with a uh, uh, Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Rebus. Uh, Amanda Rebus coming in with a lot of heart. She's the she's the woman. If you remember recently, um, she basically speared um, Paige Van Zandt on her head, uh, and basically was the fighter that sent Paige Van Zandt out of the UFC and into bare knuckle uh, boxing. So. Yeah, this was a, a really interesting fight. I thought that uh, Rebus had the better of the first round. I thought uh, her, sh- her shots were landing a lot better. The 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 jabs and the 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 leg kicks were really working. Um, she got the a, a decent takedown and was able to control a lot on the ground. Um, not a lot of action in terms of like getting shots off, but definitely controlling uh, and and like bullying her opponent on the floor. Um, then basically going into the second round and it was a totally different fight. Uh, Marina Rodriguez landed some big, big shots and a huge knee. Uh, drops um, Rebas with a with a massive left where she just folded in half, went in and, and kind of like uh, did a, a quick flurry. But then 
for some inexplicable reason, uh, Herb Dean almost fell over the two girls whilst he was trying to crane to see uh, whether Rebus was was found. And I think uh, Rodriguez saw that as as Herb finishing the uh, waving the fight off. So she gets up to celebrate. Um, Rebus gets back to her feet, ready to fight, but basically the light was on, but there was nobody at home. And Herb Dean looks at Marina and goes. I ain't stopped the fight, knock this bitch out. So she just goes over, cracks her a couple more times and does actually finish the fight. Uh, weird ending, but a uh, big victory for Marina Rodriguez. Absolutely. Obviously the game plan coming in there for Amanda was to take uh, Marina down as soon as she could. Obviously Marina being the more efficient striker on the feet, it's the, makes more sense, obviously, going there and take your opponent down. And that's exactly what Amanda were able to do in the first round. She was able to control that vast majority of them the first round. Mm -hmm. And coming into the second, it only took less than a minute for Marina to, to come out a little bit more with that fiery energy and she were able to get a little bit more of her, her offence off and she were able to do that. And it, Obviously the finish is a bit... Some people I saw on obviously on Twitter that it were a bit controversial, but I'm, I was thinking, about how was it controversial? Like, Obviously, Herb Dean, he stepped over. You can see how it could somewhat be controversial when you look at it as he stepped over him and, and did he stop the fight? No, technically he didn't stop the fight because verbally he didn't, he didn't stop yeah. the fight. He doesn't, just because he touched the fighters doesn't mean that that, yeah, but that's not I'll, I'll, in the rules that says he has to touch the fighters to stop the fight. Yeah. Even on, on the replays, it, it wasn't even a touch. He literally looked like he was he was looking over to see uh, if he could get the the kind of like idea whether Rebas was okay and like his his body weight or his kind of centre of gravity just took him like almost over the top of the girls. And I think that's what Marina has seen and then kind of like assumed he's waved the fight off. Yeah, obviously that's what's done. Obviously, uh, English is not a first language in mm -hmm. the first place. So if if someone maybe in the in the audience shouted, obviously stop or the fight's over, it, it, she could have easily just. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on that in the arena, especially with fans now being back in the arena. I know it might be two thousand fans, but Jesus Christ, especially over the, the speakers of the television, you can it sounds a hell of a lot more than, mm -hmm. than two thousand fans yeah. in that arena. So it was good to hear fans back. To be fair, yeah. I mean, as much as we've enjoyed the fighters like, uh, interacting with the commentary because they can hear them of the dead silence of the of the of the arena, it was good to hear fans back. Yeah, absolutely. Just the just the passion of the fans. Just you miss it after a while. Obviously, again, you love the fact that you could hear coaches and fighters speaking, and you could hear the shots bouncing off each other's skull. But you, yeah, you you still. You want that passion back in mixed martial arts, and I'm glad UFC are being the ones to open the actual sport back up in a safe way to do it. Yeah. But um, Marina, obviously, it were a, I'd say a perfect game plan for her, but in the first round it wasn't looking for her, and obviously she were able to capitalise in that second round, and you you fight until the, the, the ref stops the, the fight, and you as a fighter it doesn't stop, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't like to see any, any sort of negative feedback that she's getting due to that because obviously she's there to fight at the end of the day and it's, it's either the the doctor or the referee that stops the fight the, it's like Masvidal said super necessary up until the, the ref pulls you off you, you're fighting mm -hmm. absolutely uh, so let's get into this second fight uh, Mahmoud Muradov taking on uh, Andrew Sanchez um, and a very uh, dominant display by um, uh, Mahmoud uh, Maridov. Uh, in the f in the first round, he was easily the the more uh, active and, and uh, efficient fighter, landing some really good shots. Uh, Sanchez shot him for takedowns, and um, uh, Maridov was able to easily stuff him and, and and kind of hit back with with the leg kicks. Uh, going towards the end of the round, he did kind of like start throwing a little bit wild, uh, which which opened him up for some uh, counters from from Sanchez. But all in all, uh, Murdov really kind of like dominated that first round. Sanchez come out in the in the second round and 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 turned his game plan up a little bit more, landed some more shots, uh, and really kind of like made uh, Murdov question like his range, and he was he was really kind of struggling. 
but then he landed a, a, a knee to the groin, which uh, which gave Murdo um, uh, a little bit of a break and was able to to basically change up his his game plan. Uh, again, he was really good with stuffing the takedowns from from Sanchez, um, and the, the the thing that really separated Murdo from Sanchez was when they when they coming from clinches and 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 stuff takedowns, he was able to land shots on the way out where Sanchez wasn't. Uh, we get a little bit of back and forth at, towards the end of the 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 second where both were landing some really clean shots. Um, to the point where Sanchez uh, really got wobbled towards the end of the fight, but luckily he was able to hang on and get into the third round. But to be fair, it was to no avail because that third round they just came out to absolutely swing and Muradov was landing some big, big shots. That was not to say that Sanchez wasn't uh, was just getting dominated. He was landing shots of his own, um, some really good um, um, peppering jabs, uh, and then uh, uh, Muradov was able to land an uppercut and body shots, and then he was just able to land a flying knee, which huge uh, Carlos said was almost like in slow motion the way he landed it. Um, it, it that staggered um, uh, Sanchez, and, and Muradov was able to just uh, uh, put him up against the fence, and, and uh, in comes uh, Jason Herzog to wear the fight off, and uh, Muradov picked up the, the third round uh, TKO. Absolutely, you couldn't argue with the stoppage. He, even though he was on his feet, he was taking a hell of a lot of punishment. And uh, Muradov was the better boxer in my eyes. He was the more clean and technical boxer, especially in the striking department. And yes, even though they was both throwing a hell of a lot and it looked a bit wild swingy at certain times, Sanchez looked like to be getting the one who was the later on into the rounds, into going into the second and the third, seemed to be getting more gassed and losing energy. Whereas Muradov seemed to be being smart with it and keeping it not not putting it all out there on the line straight away and basically like spacing it out in a way of when to attack and when to when to just basically put put the foot on the brake and when to take it off so he was able to actually get the the finish in the end and you can see that Sanchez knew that 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 fight he, he, he would be he had no he had no objection to the referee stopping the fight he he was, I think he was just more concerned about actually being able to get his breath back without getting worried about getting punched in the face. And mm-hmm. it's, somewhat, it's somewhat horrible to see like that, but somewhat in a way not not common because Sanchez has always been one of these who's always been up and down, two wins, one loss, yeah. one win, two losses, but and, and so on and so on. He's never been one of these who's always been consistent, but obviously Muradov now, he debuted in the, uh, in the UFC... Yeah, this was his first fight back uh, since 2019. He's uh, suffered with uh, quite a few like, setbacks, but he, he's now 3 0 in the UFC. So that's it. He's, um, like I said, when he debuted in 2019, he went on uh, a 2 5 win streak, got injured, and come back. And people had the doubts about him in this fight because it was like, he's got injured, is he going to come back to Sanchez? Who's, who in a lot of people's opinion now is octagon ready because he's had a lot of experience now in the UFC. Yeah, he, he, fact. That's it, he made his debut back in 2016, so that's a lot of time in the UFC and a lot of years to be in that sort of in that sort of organisation. So it's in a way in a way it can be good for you to be there for that long, but also in a way you somewhat can have a target on your back because you have these young and up and comers thinking, oh, you've been in the UFC a long time, I've got a good win over you, <laughs> that can somewhat rocket my name up, and Muradov seems like he's doing that in the middleweight, middleweight division. Now, going on forward from him, obviously he's got a lot of learning to do, because that middleweight division is stacked to the brim with phenomenal fighters, and not just phenomenal fighters, people who can hit very, very hard. So that's the sort of thing he's got to look forward to. And I know it's 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 one of them things. It's like, oh well done. They're gonna to go to hospital. It's nice. It's one of them. But it's one step closer for him to get up them rankings. But then in a way, you're only getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. But then 
you're in the UFC. If you wasn't expecting that, then I don't know why you would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, straight into the middle of this main event, and we've got uh, Scotland's own Joanne Calderwood yeah, taking yeah. on uh, Jessica R. And this was uh, a career-making performance, I thought, from Joanna Col- uh, Joanne Calderwood. Really, really um, dominant uh, decision victory. Um, for me, the, the the three rounds were, were incredibly similar in terms of uh, how the game plan went. Um, Calderwood was able to keep uh, Jessica at range with uh, the, the the lengthy jabs and and the the mix up of the kicks to the body and to the head. Um, when Jessica was able to get in close and get the clinch, she landed some really good shots. But on the way out of the clinch, the the difference maker was that uh, Joanne Calderwood was able to land shots where Jessica wasn't, and that really kind of upped her uh, her output. Um, the the other thing that really kind of stood out for me in this fight for for Joanne is that she did so well to avoid the takedown. I think if she'd have got tucked down uh, to the ground and and controlled on the ground, it would have been a totally different fight. She would have really struggled against uh, Jessica R. But in in this in this match, she was able to avoid that and land the head kicks, which were just really brutal. The body kicks, the oblique kicks, which kept uh, Jessica from being able to shoot in. And she really stuck to that that uh, that game plan, and and it served her so so well. The, the, there were a couple of times where she um, she kind of tried to break out of that game plan. I remember in the second round, she went for a spinning elbow, and Jessica was able to to almost secure the takedown, uh, basically pinning uh, Calderwood to the fence. But all in all, I thought that this was a brilliant uh, kind of uh, controlled performance by Jessica, uh, by uh, Joanne Calderwood, really able to um, to keep um, uh, Jessica frustrated by not allowing her to, to play, uh, play her own game and, and keeping her at bay with the, with the body kicks. And, and the, the sprawl at the end kind of rubber-stamped it for me, the, the way she was able uh, to basically tell jo, uh, Jessica R, look, I've, I've got your number in this fight and there's nothing you can do that's really going to harm me. And she got the unanimous decision, two judges giving her all three rounds, um, a, a classy display by Joanne Calderwood. Absolutely, a good game plan. Obviously, the game plan for uh, Joanna Calderwood was to go in there and somewhat, in a way, survive because... You've got Jessica Hart, who is good on the feet, but then also is phenomenal with her wrestling. And Joanne Calderwood is not an easy woman to take down, as we saw tonight. The obviously the stats speak for themselves. The reason why Jessica lost the fight, and you can say on when he was watching the fight, you can see where it was so tight in some areas. And obviously, like you already said, um, Calderwood on the way out was just landing shots clean, leg kicks, oblique kicks, body kicks, knees, uppercuts, jabs, every single time. She mentioned we're moving in and out, there was always something to back it up. It's not like she was just moving out and staying there and not throwing anything. She was always being on the attack even when she was being defensive. So that was very impressive on her part and especially when you've got someone like Jessica, who's always wanting to take you down, if you're throwing them uppercuts in there and throwing them at weird angles, it always makes the wrestler double thinking away about taking you down because when you're the wrestler and your opponent is a bit worried about you taking them down, they somewhat drop the guard and then it actually ends up being your opponent, the one who's getting punched in the face because they're more worried about you taking them down. Whereas now the, the wrestler in a way, is going, oh shit, she's using that uppercut a lot, and when I level change, I'm getting it in snozz with that, mm-hmm. so how, how do I do that? And most wrestlers end up going into the clinch, and that's exactly what Jessica Rao was doing, because she wasn't able to do get the takedown, I think she got one out of four or five attempts, now Calderwood got one out of three attempts, obviously that's where she won in that department, just because she had less takedown attempt. That's the only reason why, even though they both got one for one, just because Jessica tried for more and failed. So that the, the stats that obviously higher. I think Jessica's around 20-odd and Caldwell's around 30-odd. So that's the only reason why them, them point difference 
make up the numbers on the judges scorecard and Calderwood she were able to just execute the game plan that she had was able to if you got to the ground get back up to her feet if she was in the clinch position still worked don't make it look like you're just staying there and and playing possum in a way and mm -hmm. even in the the third round when Calderwood went for that uh, spinning back uh, attack even though she didn't get it and she ended up compromising herself and actually being on the ground for the best part of 30 seconds Jessica R in my even though I wasn't the judge but I do believe this is what the judges were looking at in my opinion she wasn't doing anything in that 30 seconds yes just because Jessica R was in control Calderwood was actually throwing a lot of attacks whilst off her back. She was just hooked and amethyst just going like there was no tomorrow, just farting like she needed to actually get out of there. And say she was actually doing more of the work in that last 30 seconds than Jessica did. Now to her, obviously, I, I want to say an untrained eye in a way, but into some Jessica extent. Jessica the untrained eye. Well, yeah, Jessica the untrained eye, you were... Uh, a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, she's winning there because she's on top. And that's not necessarily the case. And no. the judges could look at that going, right, Calderwood's been the more aggressor. She's controlled the fight from near enough start to finish. Yes, there's been times where it's been a bit, oh, could that be ours? But more majority, it's been in the, the favour of Calderwood. And she was able to just follow through and keep with the same pressure as she did in the first and she did with the third. And that really helped her out because I think that startled Jessica. I don't think she had it in her head that this pressure was going to be able to continue for three rounds, especially in the heat of Dubai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the the two fights that we everyone got this card for. Um, Michael Chandler. Wow. Former Bellator champion, someone who's always been on the list of uh, best fighters outside of the UFC. Uh, it's never quite gone right for him to uh, to uh, come to to UFC, even when like his contracts have been up with Bellator. It's just the timing has not been right. Thirty-four year year old coming into the company. What a what a heart train and uh, getting one of the hardest fighters in that division straight away with uh, Dan Hooker. We we talk often about kind of um, uh, the 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 nerves of coming into UFC. There's always them them uh, first fight jitters. We've seen it with uh, with the likes of uh, Will Brooks. We've seen it with the likes of uh, Justin Gaethje. We've seen it, it's a real thing. People come to them. They don't understand how big of a difference it is from fighting the likes of Bellator, which is the second biggest company in 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 the world. The step up to UFC is a, is its levels. It's as simple as that, and you either thrive or you wilt. And Michael Chandler fucking thrived. Jesus. This guy, he, he, you could see how happy he was that he finally made it to the big dance. Uh, and no one would have given batted an eyelid if Dan Hooker didn't just absolutely put him away. But that just wasn't the case. Uh, started off with uh, Chandler really wanted to take this fight straight to Hooker, uh, controlling the centre of the octagon. Uh, in, in fact, within about 30 seconds, he was actually getting really frustrated because Hooker just did not want to engage. And we were getting Michael Chandler, who were, he was just dropping his hands and saying, what's going on? Are we having a fight here or not? Uh, we eventually get a, a, a few kind of like teasing kicks from Hooker. We get uh, Michael Chandler landing a, a couple of shots to the, the body. Back and forth a little bit uh, with uh, with uh, the punches and the kicks, but then we get uh, a, a body punch by Michael Chandler, which just knocks the absolute wind out of uh, our Dan Hooker, and then he follows it up with a bomb of a left hook, and you just see Dan Hooker's laugh leaving his body, uh, absolutely just um, just drops him to the floor. Uh, basically jumps on him, um, pounds his face in with a, at least a dozen right hands before, <laughs> before Mark Goddard comes in and stops it. That's how you make a statement. That's how you come into a company on your debut and throw your hat in the ring for for this this really tied-up lightweight division. Um, Michael Hooker... Uh, Michael Chandler... Michael Hooker? Michael Chandler is he's got to be in that conversation now, surely to God. 
Surprise, surprise, there's a new king in that lightweight division. <laughs> Simple as that. That man is not lying. He not only can fucking sell a fart, that man can put on a fart. A lot of people didn't know him, a lot of people just thought it was a heart trade, a lot of people just thought he's coming in here as the next big thing and Dan Hooker's going to put his lights out and my God was a lot of people wrong. If you didn't watch him in Bellator, you certainly, God, was was missing uh, a born and bred fighter. Obviously the second guard to be coming out of the state of... of Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, we'll fucking leave that because I forgot that name. But, yeah, the second guy to come out of where Ben Askren came out from. Phenomenal wrestler. Absolute phenomenal wrestler. And I wasn't wrong. I was not wrong. I said that he was not going to be able to take Danuka down. And I was I was not wrong. Yeah, he, he didn't even try and take Danuka down. He didn't down. need to. He fucking knocked him, he knocked him out. Job. Simple as that. The reason he's... The, no wonder he's called Iron Mike for no reason. His head movement were on point, and Jesus Christ, he has got some power. Now, Khabib, if you were watching him for a long time, no wonder you retired, mate, and no wonder you probably don't want to fight him, but if you, if he is looking at getting 230 and all, he must be praying that, Jesus Christ, not against Chandler. If Chandler were able to do that against Dan Hooker, and Dan Hooker is one a hell of a fucking fighter. He can take a punch and he can give a punch. He's he's been he's been in the UFC and been around the block for a lifetime. He's yeah, he may not have been a, a UFC world champion or a UFC interim champion, but that guy's got balls of steel and he will fight anybody from anywhere. Get, I've said it so many times on this podcast, guys coming out of that city kickboxing do not fuck about and yes, fair enough, it may have got knocked out and it may be, may, may be sounding me stupid now saying people coming out of uh, a city kickboxing but Jesus Christ, that just makes, I just want you to understand how good that makes Chandler look. The fact is he was able to do that to Dan Hooker in the first round when we had Conor McGregor saying he was going to finish it in 60 seconds and he was able to go out there and finish it in the first without no shit talking like that. And what 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 can he say to this guy next? Yeah, fair enough, you come in. He's definitely going to take that. I wouldn't say he takes, um, I wouldn't say he takes uh, Hooker's spot, but I'd say he takes a spot up there. Yeah, perhaps. Number five spot. I mean, we were talking of all the kind of like possibilities uh, uh, for this division, um, and it, it all did like kind of uh, depend on on not only this fight but the fight we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, for me, you've got to look at the top four five fighters in that division and say you you need a tournament now to you crown. Do. To crown, I mean, you've got Charles Oliveira hitting the form of his life, a guy who's uh, been in the UFC for so long and, and never was able to reach the heights. He's killing motherfuckers. You've got Justin Gaethje who can beat anybody on his day. 
you've got, uh, well, we'll talk about the winner of the, the, the next fight in a second, but then now you've got uh, Michael uh, Chandler throwing his, his name in, in the ring. You've not only just throwing his name got, in there, selling his name in there. You've got four fighters there that you could put in a in like a eliminators and say winner and winner takes on um, takes takes on the either the champion if if a wants to stick around or is for the title. I totally agree with you. I say chuck the top ten. Doesn't even matter who's in the who's in the top. I just do believe that because that top five is just a row of killers, and there's yeah. no point in having that belt floating about. Just throw that top ten in a full, in literally just in a full tournament and do it that way. Last guy is the is the champion, and that's it. And I don't think the and now don't be wrong. I respect Khabib. I, I I like Khabib. I love the way he fights. I love the way he carries himself in the sport, in the octagon and outside the octagon. But do not speak bullshit. Simple as that. You say you don't want to hold up a division. You say you don't want to be one of these other guys. Well, guess what? You are one of these other guys. You're saying you're retiring. You're saying don't let me do things I don't want to do. Don't let me do things that's going to disrespect my mum. Give up the belt then. If you're retired, fair enough. Well done. You you've gone twenty nine and all. You you literally are one of the goats. You're one of the greatest. Give up that belt and, and pass it on to the, the the next champion in the in the UFC lightweight division. Yeah. Don't hold the don't don't be the next don't be the next Conor McGregor at what you was what you was calling him for. I don't think that that's. I honestly don't think that that's a lot of uh, Habib's doing. I think that's Dana's doing. I think uh, Dana knows he's got uh, a money-making fight. With, well, knows he had a money-making fight with Connor versus Habib too. Knows that that's going to make absolute uh, gangbusters, and he wanted. Uh, he, he's basically keeping um, Habib as interested as possible. Look at look at all the the the, the sing, song and dance he, he performed about. There'd be an announcement on on uh, ABC, and the announcement was, "Yeah, we're waiting and see." I think he's trained so hard to to get uh, Habib to backtrack when it's Habib who, who's like, yeah, I I need a reason to keep fighting. I think if it was up to Habib, he would have dropped, he would have uh, packed that title off by now. That's it. It could possibly be the case, but does Habib he's, he's seeming to get on a bit on the bigger side now and seeming to enjoying basically taking? I know it's a bit too early to say like, but it seems like he's enjoying taking that. The role of what his father had, especially being the sort of well, with the, the captain with the, and the head of the team. Yeah, the Eagle Gym, the uh, the some more of his uh, his family and cousins being signed for UFC. Um, the fact that he he could be an ambassador for the company in Russia, which is a a massively expanded the market. He's got over. his own promotion now. Yeah. That's hopefully going to be on the UFC fight packs. Yeah. He's, he's he's got too much stuff to. He's one of the like I, I always go on about it about some fighters who are lucky enough to have got something that can go on about a fight, whether it being coaching or opening up their own academy or just doing little certain things. And Khabib is one of them special characters that has got so many things he could do and so many choices. Where fighting's just same like McGregor, money is not an issue when it comes to them. You can say to them, "We'll give you ten mil. We can give you twenty mil. We can give you thirty mil." Odds are, yes, they might take it, but it's not because they are taking it for the money. Because these guys have got that sort of money. They can get that sort of money on a on a daily basis. So that's, I think, Khabib is obviously he's got he's got more leeway, obviously, with being twenty nine and all, being the guy he is, fighting the guys he's he's fought and beating the guys he has. He's definitely got more leeway, but. He's definitely got to look at it and go in, right, do I just give the belt, retire, take myself out of the pool, or do I just come out and, and fight the next potential fighter, which hopefully could be the, the next fight we're going to be speaking about. So let's go on to that. Uh, the main event where so many uh, fans come out of the woodwork and pretend that they've been UFC fans for such a long time. So many kind of plastic analysts. I mean, that's not us blowing our own trumpet at all. We, we're we just fans like everybody else. But the amount of people who I've seen come out uh, who are massive Conor McGregor fans mm. rather than uh, actual UFC fans. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Uh, but the thing is, you need characters like that to, to bring uh, sports like MMA to the masses, and, and it absolutely worked. But let's get into the fight. Um, if you remember, and if you, and if you want to go back into the archives, we covered the first fight recently with a, a couple of special guests, um, and Carlos made uh, some comments in, in re-watching that fight about how Dustin... Uh, how there was a game plan there and a, and a, a kind of a blueprint for beating Connor, and it absolutely came true. And uh, I should have fucking put a bet on it and I didn't. <laughs> I'm fucking fuming. Yeah, so basically, Con uh, Carlos said the the weak point that Connor had was was taking out that front leg with calf kicks, and that's exactly what um, what. Um, Dustin was able to do a lot in this first round, uh, landing a lot of those carpets, and you could see the the redness and the the swelling come up pretty pretty quickly. Uh, Connor was able to kind of like battle through it for for a, the majority of the first round. It was only like near the end of it you could see that he was really struggling to to feel that leg. And and the thing when you're such a, a dynamic striker like Connor is. Your legs are so important that you you need to be able to kind of uh, especially yeah, front leg. Yeah, you need to be able to plant it to get to to generate that power. But in the first round, McGregor uh, landed the better shots. He he rocked uh, Poirier um, quite quite uh, hard in in the middle of the of the the round. And whilst he was able to kind of like. Uh, shaking off, there was you could tell, uh, or a seasoned uh, watcher of, of uh, Dustin's game could tell he was not uh, fully recovered because he was a lot wilder. He's, he wasn't as as crisp and clean as he normally is. Uh, you could tell it took him quite a long time for him to shake those cobwebs out. Um, Connor just did really well in controlling against the cage. Um, about. Um, able to land Lando's kind of shoulder shots which uh, got fired back to him uh, very brutally by, by Dustin you could tell they were really kind of like chatting shit to each other in in, in, uh, in the clinchers but the first round was was very much a, a Connor victory for me uh, it just hit the harder uh, harder shots uh, but that that leg would come into to being a factor in the second round. Uh, McGregor again started like landing, uh, started absorbing more shots on that on that leg, and it was really really affecting him to the point where he was then focusing on trying to catch the leg uh, rather than take the shot. And and this worked for a little while. He was able to to uh, kind of uh, use that. Uh, catching the leg to to uh, pin uh, Dustin up against uh, the cage and he was able to land a lot of shots but then um, a couple of uh, massive um, lefts really kind of hurt Connor you could, and you could see that he was rocked and Poirier could tell that he was rocked he'd really recovered from that first round uh, and really upped his uh, output and uh, landed a, a, a great uh, right, floored McGregor, uh, and, and much like the uh, the Chandler fight, uh, Poirier just pounced and absolutely put McGregor out clean. Uh, Dustin Poirier gets his victory back from six years ago, and and what it really stands out to me is is the the uh, after fight interviews, uh, and Connor said it best himself. The issue was he was inactive for so long and Dustin got comfortable in that octagon because he's fought higher level opponents each time and he was able to improve over that that um, that uh, loss over Connor, really kind of step up his game to being one of the very best fighters in the world where Connor has come in and he's almost been an exhibition fighter. Uh, taking on the fights with the likes of Nate Diaz at weights he wasn't really uh, known for, taking on the Floyd Mayweather fight, coming back after so long out and, and taking out uh, uh, Cowboy in such short fight. He hasn't had the the octagon time and Dustin has put in those minutes and and it really, really showed. And, and Connor, as, as much as we kind of like to bash on him because of his cocky attitude, after the fight, he was humble in defeat, and he realised that he the issue was he hadn't uh, he hadn't fought enough, and he said that he, he wants to to kind of up that game. For me, I wouldn't. I'd say that any kind of more losses are definitely going to tarnish his legacy. This guy's making more money selling whiskey and clothes than he's ever made in MMA. Concentrate on that. That's that's your bread and butter selling 
and now I think the the lightweight division has moved has moved on past Conor McGregor. Um, he's not the specialist fighter that he once was. I think. Yeah, I don't think he's. Obviously, this is not going to be the last we see of him. He's definitely going to fight again, whether that be for. Now, this is what Conor McGregor we're talking about, and this is the UFC. We're not speaking about uh, a sport like boxing or WWE or football or something where it's the next big thing is just around the corner because money-wise, it's not. The next big thing is still, unfortunately, for the other fighters, but still fortunately for the UFC, is Conor McGregor. And it doesn't matter where you place him, there's still going to be a lot of casual fans out there, as a lot of people like to call them, who will pay to watch Conor McGregor, uh, Conor McGregor fight. Um, and it's as simple as that. So... A win, lose or draw, there's always going to be people there to watch Conor McGregor. But it always makes you wonder that, why I'm always right. Because <laughs> I was right on... <laughs> I had to put that out there. But I was right, as simple as that, I was, I was right. That's the way to beat Conor McGregor. No one has took out that front leg properly before. No one has tried to take out that front leg properly before because everyone's always been scared of getting hit with that uppercut, getting hit with that left hand. And after when Dustin opened up in the first round and he was like, I'm going to have to get fucking hit. And he opened himself up. And yes, I believe he did get a... Could have been playing possum, possibly, in the first round, a couple of times. Could have been playing a bit, oh, look at me, I'm wobbling, come into me. And then whilst you do it, I'm going to kick your leg. Could have been, that could have been. But he definitely went for this fucking game plan that he was going to do in the first part. And definitely in the first part, it was, definitely in the first part, it was leg kicks and hooks. And that's exactly what we saw in this part. Leg kicks and hooks. McGregor got caught early in the first round with a, a beautiful left hook and near enough got put down put down there and luckily enough he didn't and that first round was all on him he looked like oh gee he looked like Jesus Christ Conor McGregor is going to do his thing again right well that's it unfortunately sorry Poirier but your time's your time's not now it looks like he's going to beat you and Dustin just turned that around for the better and them leg kicks he, he got to the point where he didn't even have to throw them all the last two or three leg kicks he threw were just tapping just to basically tell McGregor like He's still hurting you, isn't it? Like, yeah, there you go. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll show you why he's still hurting you. And mm-hmm. As soon as you take that away from McGregor, he can no longer throw his capoeira kicks. He can no longer throw the powerful front front peak kicks to the body, what he absolutely loves, because he did that against Chad Mendes to break him down. And he can no longer get them powerful shots off, because if you can't put your pressure on your front leg, you can't get any power behind your left hand and if he can't do that and that's what McGregor always does McGregor always has a tendency to overextend and that's because he waits for his opponent to come in just that just like a lion or a tiger or anything like that does it'll just wait for his opponent to to get all the prey to just get in close enough range just so they can strike and, mm-hmm. and touch him they don't have to hurt him but so they can strike and touch him and McGregor's always been one of them to to always shoot as soon as you get into as soon as you get into into the space where he's able to touch him, he were able to do that against Dustin, but Dustin were able to capitalise his time. Dustin were able to... The, the £10 definitely helped. The, the carrying the extra £10 definitely helped Justin being able to absorb McGregor's shots because, as well, McGregor was, was, was weighing in an extra £10 more than what they last fought, which, again, is going to equivalent to, A, power, but, B... It's also going to put strain on his body because ten pound fighting wise is a lot of weight when you're carrying it around in the octagon, yep. especially when you're going into the later rounds against someone like Dustin Poirier in his last five fights. He's had brutal wars, and it's not like they've been quick fights like McGregor. He was humble enough to say he was inactive, inactivity throughout the throughout the year and throughout the the previous year before that. The forty seconds against Donald was not enough. Fair enough, a win's a win, but the 40 seconds was not enough. He didn't have enough time, and Poirier's been ripping it up ever since. And I want to say that I love the fact that Poirier won. I don't, but I like the fact that he he won. 
it makes it one for one now. He's, there's always going to be that selling point there for him and Connor, and always, and it's always good for a fight to fight Conor McGregor. It's a payday for him. Mm-hmm. Don't matter who you yeah. are. It's a you fight Conor McGregor, you're going to get paid. And the fact is, like Nate, he's got that fight in in somewhere down the line. Possibly that could happen. And now Dustin, because he, he, he's just setting stone that that fight possibly be there with Conor McGregor, who's the actual better fighter. Is it Conor? Is it Dustin? You, you've always that question's always going to be there. Five years ago when they first fought it with Conor, they've both evolved. He, he, now it's Dustin. Two years more down the line, if they fight again, you never. Who's going to be the best fighter then? And it's in this sport, you never know. Like we're saying, you've got fighters who can go on streaks like Khabib, undefeated. You can go on fights like um, who's the one we were speaking about earlier? It was literally going on up and down street. Uh, Sanchez. Sanchez. That's it. No, I don't know. I'll think of Ricky Simone then. But he's the same though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even say that like, when you're on an up and down streak, and I believe it's, it can somewhat it, it can somewhat go that way for McGregor. But hopefully, hopefully Dustin, he, he can somewhat see that light at the end of the tunnel. He's been in the UFC for a long time now. He's he's fought his arse off for the best. He's now he's he's beat some of the best and the only person to beat him is obviously recently is Khabib and obviously Khabib's retired now and how can you say no to him and Chandler for that belt especially with the way that they've both finished Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor that is two opponents that are hard opponents who can take a punch and who are well known and Michael Chandler's coming in his debut and Dustin Poirier has come to take the revenge that he's long waited for. Mm. How can you tell them to no? I, th- I think there's two other fighters though that, that could probably say no, we deserve it as well in uh, Gaethje and uh, Charles Oliveira. So Yeah, but you could also say that, but then I, I'd love the fact, again, that this is why the tournament makes so much sense because you've always, like mm-hmm. you were saying, the tournament it does make so much sense because you've always got that energy of going, yeah. Charles Oliveira is an absolute animal, but he beat Tony, who was already somewhat on a losing way. And then you've got Gaethje, some people could say, oh, well, well, he doesn't deserve a shot because he already had a shot last, he already had a shot, and then he's just not long got beat off Khabib. And then, obviously, so he, the, he, the, the tournament makes sense in every single way you speak about it. And I think you're hearing it from Mystic Mac. I think there's going to be a tournament for that belt. Yeah. And for me, I'd, I'd, I would keep Poirier and uh, Chandler apart because I'd, I'd honestly go with Poirier taking on uh, Oliveira um, and Chandler versus Gaethje. I think they're the better fights. And then you get uh, the, the, the chance for Poirier against uh, Chandler for either the belt or for the the right to take on Habib if he decides to come back. And you also keep Conor active if he wants to be, and you put that Nate Diaz rematch back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think if Conor does fight again, he, he's gonna be um, ex, like special exhibition fights. Um, I think his time at the top of the lightweight division may be over. Yeah, I don't think you because you don't want to tarnish his record. Like fair, he, fair enough, once he's finished, he wants to be able to look at his record and go, "That's a decent record." But I, I, don't want to yeah, look but at I all, he also needs to be a left at the right time. But that's the, in the especially in like he, he's got that much money where people say, "Oh, why you've got the money, you've got this, you've got that." Yeah, it's fair enough. But then he's just it just goes to show that the struggles of being a full time professional fighter once you've been doing it for so long that it just for some reason and I can't explain it yet. In hopefully in ten years, twenty years time, I, I might be able to explain it. But when I've spoke to fighters who have been in the game for that long. They find it hard to say no, or find mm-hmm. it hard to to somewhat stay out of it. They, yeah, they a couple of years at the best they before they get that itch and first that they need to get back in the gym, they need to get back into competing, they need to get back into fighting. And sometimes it's not even just about earning money, it's just it's just about that need to fight, that yeah. need to be able to feel... In, and it, feels, it sounds weird because you're locked in a cage, but for some people, you, it makes them feel free. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the thrill of the fight. You get a, it's you get addicted to it. I think absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a 
that's a um, McGregor versus Poirier two in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> so there's no UFC event next week, but uh, lucky for for us. Uh, UFC provided two events over the past seven days and one we've kept uh, in our pocket for, for next week uh, Chiesa versus Magnus or Carlos and I'll be re-watching that and going over it and then after that we're in uh, quite a long streak of uh, events uh, for, for Dana who said it, that uh, 2021 is not going to be as hectic as, uh, as uh, 2020 was We've got four massive events in a row and then uh, some huge fights that are coming up in March. So definitely keep your ears peeled and uh, you know, uh, keep it, um, your eyes locked on the, the five rounds feed for for that. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's all we've got time for uh, today, guys. So you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Follow the, the podcast at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, make sure you go and uh, follow the, the networks as well. Visionaries Global Media, uh, Chair Shot Radio and Shooting the Sports Ish. Check out Carlos' uh, interviews on, on the Shooting the Sports Ish uh, YouTube and um, Podbean because the guy's been putting in some real work and, and doing really well with, with, with those. Uh, got a, a massive, massive one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, uh, I much appreciate it. And hopefully uh, it's... Uh, not the first uh, big name that Carlos will be uh, speaking with. So, yeah, definitely uh, keep um, checking out Carlos's content. Uh, but, yeah, that is, that's basically it, guys. Uh, and that is the end. Dana, stop ripping your fans off. Give them a decent stream. Especially when you're charging them the best part of $100, you prick. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.